0: What do we gain by labeling some groups as terrorists when in fact they're not really? Hi, this is Phil Gerskeep, and you're listening to Quick Hits, short podcasts about matters that are linked to public safety and national security. Let me take you back to the weeks and months after 9 11 an iconic event, the flying of airplanes into the two towers in New York, into the Pentagon and Washington. And in the aftermath of those attacks, we got some good things and we got some bad things. Let's start with the good things. We certainly arrived at a notion that, that terrorism was a, a significant problem, that it had to be dealt with. And we had a lot of really interesting ideas and good minds weigh in on how to counter terrorism. We had, it was really the advent of CVE, or Countering Violent Extremism. whole host of programs around the world. Uh, Some very good, some not so good. As I've said on many occasions, CVE suffers from the challenge of trying to figure out i.e., measure whether or not what you're doing is having an effect. But the mere fact we have CVE programs I think is a very good outcome, if you can call it that, from a terrorist attack that killed 3,000 people. On the bad side, You had, of course, the immediate declaration of a war on terrorism by U.S. President Bush. I've waited on that far too often for me to repeat the argument. Suffice to say, have a look at my fourth book, An End to the War on Terrorism, if you're interested in why I think this has been a bad idea. The other thing that came out of 9-11 was what in theory should have been a good thing, but in practice didn't always turn out that way. What we found was that in our collective efforts to stop terrorist groups from killing innocent people, a lot more countries were willing to come to the bar and participate, bring their own data and their own practices, put them on the table so that we could have more of an international effort, a more collective series of actions on a global scale. And again, this is is a good thing. The more parties, the better, at least in theory. Certainly in my time working in intelligence in Canada, we benefited greatly from intelligence sharing relationships with our partners. And we've seen organizations like NATO that can combine different countries' military capacities to deal with conflicts, to deal with peacekeeping, etc. The problem when it came to terrorism was that some of the partners who put their hands up saying, pick me, pick me, were not the partners we would normally have worked with in those days. And, and some of the countries I'm citing here would include like China and Russia. These are not our friends. They're not allies of the West. Yet they jumped on the bandwagon, wanted to be part of this worldwide counterterrorism effort. And some of the things that they proposed were not helpful at all. The reason I'm bringing this up today, and this is late November 2020, I came across a bunch of articles in recent uh, news stories over the past two, three days, which point to a very worrying phenomenon. And that's where states elect to name certain groups as terrorist groups, despite the fact that it's at least debatable, if not unlikely, that these groups are terrorists in nature. Here, here are a few headlines I came across. Russian authorities crack down on extremist Jehovah's Witnesses in mass raids. A Cairo criminal court has approved a request to place a formal presidential candidate, Abdul-Munim Abul-Fatuh, and 27 others in terror lists, some of whom are Muslim Brotherhood. Saudi Arabia's religious body recently designated the Muslim Brotherhood as a terrorist organization. Ethiopian police have arrested almost 800 people suspected of plotting terrorist acts in Addis Ababa, which of course is the capital, claiming that they were doing so for the Tigray People's Liberation Front, or TPLF, with which the government in Addis is in a civil war right now. Tunisia seeks to designate the Muslim Brotherhood as a terrorist organization. And last but not least, going back to Saudi Arabia, a woman called Lujain al Hathlul who was arrested way back in 2018 for daring to drive as a woman on Saudi roads, her trial has been moved to a terrorism court. Wow. There's a lot there to unpack. I want to focus on on a few things. Uh, Let's start with the Russians. I don't know if where you live, you have uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. They sometimes wander through your neighborhoods, they knock on your door, they want to chat with you, they want to share their religious beliefs with you, and probably in the best case scenario they want to convert you. At a maximum, Jehovah's Witnesses are a pain in the ass. They're not an extremist group, and they're not a terrorist group. The fact that the Russian government has called them extremists, I see the hand of Putin in this. Putin has been in bed with the uh, Russian Orthodox Church for many years. He derives a lot of credibility and legitimacy from the Orthodox Church, and I'm guessing the Orthodox Church has said to Vladimir, hey, Mr. President, can you crack down on those Jehovah's guys? They're, They're giving Christianity a bad name. On the whole Muslim Brotherhood issue, I have had this debate with many people. I do not think that they're a terrorist organization. I do think that they are a political Islamist organization, which is a whole different category. And yes, there are links sometimes between political Islamism and terrorism. There's no question about that. But to me, the fact that Egypt, the Saudis, and the Tunisians want to list the Muslim Brotherhood as a terrorist organization is, according that group, uh, I think far too much importance. There are other terrorist groups that, that I worry a lot more about than the Muslim Brotherhood. Yes I understand that there's a debate going on about the true nature of the Muslim Brotherhood and I accept that but there's a lot more going on here than just saying definitively that the MB is in fact a terrorist organization. And last but not least the fact that the Saudis have moved a trial of a woman who simply wanted to drive her car for God's sakes into a terrorism court. What does that tell you about Saudi Arabia? Well it tells you as I've been saying for the past 20 years that A. Saudi Arabia is not really an ally of the Western world, and that Saudi Arabia, which is in many ways the genesis of modern Islamist terrorism around the world through its spread of Wahhabi Islam to the four corners of the earth, is paying lip service to combating terrorism. Mohammed bin Salman, MBS as he's called, making great pronouncements about Saudis cracking down on terrorism. Really? And he sends a woman who wants to drive a car to a terrorism court? What kind of bullshit is this? The bottom line is that the word terrorism has been abused, misused, ill-used by all kinds of states, many of which are dictatorships and autocracies. Look at Xi Jinping in China, claiming that basically all of Xinjiang province, which was historically largely a Uyghur Muslim populated area of the country, essentially saying that all Uyghurs are terrorists, hence the concentration camps that they've built for well over a million Uyghurs, the suppression of Islam in Xinjiang. We cannot allow states of this nature to use this terminology to describe and to suppress opposition to their government, opposition to their dictatorships. And we cannot, as Western countries, jump into bed with these same powers in our collective counterterrorism effort. Because when we do that, we give them legitimacy. Again, we have to work together on counterterrorism, but we have to push back when states use this terminology to simply discredit and worst case scenario, arrest and even kill opponents to those regimes. Terrorism yes is a complicated issue and yes we cannot agree on what it means, but I think we can certainly agree that a woman who wants to drive a car and the Jehovah's Witnesses are not terrorists. Anyhow, that's what I think. What do you view on this? Is the word terrorism misused? Should we be working with the Russians, the Saudis, the Egyptians, the Chinese on counterterrorism? Drop me a line. You can reach me on email, borealisrisk at gmail.com, or on Twitter at Borealis Saves. You can also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you like the content and want to hear more, go to my website, borealisthreatenrisk.com, hit the subscribe button, find your email address, you'll get a free daily digest, first thing in the morning, all the blogs, all the podcasts, free of charge, to your inbox. Love to hear from you. Drop me a line. I'll talk to you again soon.